if you would like to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 2, we will be in the same place. I get to choose. I have my sermon notes from last week, my sermon notes from this week. I think I'll do this week's. Okay, so let's start with reasoning that doesn't work. Logical, a logical syllogism is a, a kind of an intellectual construct. It goes like this. If A is true and B is true, then we can conclude that C is also true. Okay, an example would be a mammal is a warm-blooded creature that gives birth to live young. That's A. B, a dog is a warm-blooded creature that gives birth to live young. Therefore, a dog is a mammal. That's a logical syllogism. It works really well. Some syllogisms are less accurate but more fun. For instance, um, girls are human. Boys are not girls. Therefore, boys are not human. (laughs) Think about that one for a minute. (laughs) It explains an awful lot. (laughs) Some people in the church have made this Dangerous syllogism. A, Christians should have certain knowledge. I have that knowledge, therefore I am a Christian. And it's not true. Because we are not Christians because of our knowledge. We are Christians by what we, who, who we believe in. It's like making, making that conclusion is like someone saying, a carpenter has a tape measure and I have a tape measure, therefore I am a carpenter. And the thing is, is it's not the tape measure that makes the carpenter. It's the carpenter that makes the tape measure valuable, right? Uh, because the tape measure in the carpenter's hands and the tape measure in my hands, right? There's a difference between those two tape measures. <laughs> Maybe the exact same tape measure, but, but for instance, Greg Bowman had the tape measure in his hand will do far better than me with the tape measure in my hand. Uh, I'm not a carpenter because I have a tape measure. I do have a tape measure. I've got more than one. Man, I must be a great carpenter. It's the guy who knows what to do with the tape measure that matters. So today we're going to look at this passage of Scripture that, that kind of runs along that line. He's talking about knowledge. We're going to find uh, this passage, three things, because I'm a pastor, I do three things. One, all sinners will be judged. Two, the conscience is a valid basis of judgment. And, and the final basis of judgment will be Jesus Christ. So verse 12, chapter 2, let me read verses 12 through 16. We'll see the whole thing here, chapter 2. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law instinctively perform the requirements of the law, these, though not having the law, are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience testifying, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of mankind through Christ Jesus. This is a complicated passage of Scripture. I think we'll simplify it before we're done. But first, we're going to look at all sinners will be judged. And he breaks those sinners into two categories, sinners who have the law and sinners who don't have the law. He says all sinners will be judged. So, so, and the first thing we have, he says, uh, verse 12, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. Uh, Those who sin without the law, he says, all sinners will be judged. Those who sin without the law, we have this clear statement that the the, first, that having the law is not enough to excuse anybody. Uh, Because he says, those who don't have the law will be judged. Without the law, those who have the law will be judged by the law. The point is, everybody's going to be judged. And the law is not an excuse. Having the law is not an adequate defense for you. But, But God, I had the law. He says, yeah, 
show me, he says, hey, I, I have this book too. Show me where it says that saves you, having the law. But, but God, <laughs> I knew what it said. We're going to find two reasons for why. In, this, in, this, in, in the book of Romans, we find two reasons why having the law is not enough. In, in, in chapter 5, uh, we, we find, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm saying this badly I, I, or wrongly. I'm not talking about having the law. I'm talking about not having the law. Not having the law is not an excuse for sin. Uh, if, because you don't, you know, we all know ignorance is no excuse for the law, for, for, before the law. Uh, you're, you're guilty whether you are aware of the law or not. And, and, but that's not one of the things we find here. We find two reasons why even if you don't have the law, you're still guilty and will be judged. And one of them we're going to find in chapter 5. And, and we're going to spend uh, time. It's a, it's a difficult passage, Romans chapter 5. But Romans chapter 5, the shortcut, the Cliff Notes version says, we are all charged with Adam's sin. Adam's sin, in Adam's sin, we are all charged with sin. And, and, and so the first reason not having the law doesn't excuse you is that you're charged guilty with Adam's sin. And the second reason that we find here in this chapter is that the conscience is a valid witness against us. It's a valid witness for you or against you. And what you find is that the conscience is going to be a witness against you. Those who do not have the law do not have a loophole and they will perish. If we look here at those who sin with the law, they'll be judged. But for, this is an interesting thing in words. Look at what this says. I mean, verse 12, right? So look at your, your Bible there. For those who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. All who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. And those are two very different words, perish and judge. And I thought, is he just saying the same word in different ways? And sure enough, no, he's not. The, the word for perish means to be destroyed to undergo destruction. Those who are without the law will be, will be destroyed without the law. Those who have the law will be judged by the law. And there's different words because there's different things being said. Those who, sin without the, those who sin with the law will be judged, but those who sin without the law, they will perish. And it's a strong word. It refers to the eternal destruction that is hell. That, that's, that is what it is talking about. And, and it's like they skip a step. For those who have the law, you get to go to court and be judged by the law. But those who don't have the law, you don't have that step. You just go straight to the judgment phase. Uh, and, and you don't have that intervening step. That, that's what seems to be going on here. Those who sin with the law, they'll be judged by the law. And, and that's a hard standard to be judged by. In the book of, of Amos, if you read the book of Amos, he, can, he compares God's word or God's righteousness to a plumb line. Right, the plumb line. You have the you have your string and you have your 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 weight at the end of the string, and it cannot help. And once it starts circling around, because it'll do that for a while, but it'll eventually settle down and it will hang perfectly straight in every direction. You cannot make that thing unless it's magnetic and you have a magnet. You cannot make that thing not hang straight. And it is a terrific way to show what is not straight by comparison to the plumb line. That's what Amos compares God's word to. And we're a bunch of crooked people running around that plumb line trying to get things straight. And you know what you can do? Here's what people think. Was, well, you know, I used to do this, but, but I've managed to straighten my life out since then. So then what you've got is a wall that eventually comes back to plumb. Now, how many of you want to build a wall 
that looks like that. But at the top, it's even with the bottom. <laughs> you have a lot of confidence in that wall. You say, yeah, that's great. Uh, that, that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to my, hang my TV in that little nook <laughs> because it's perfect for it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a good wall. And, and people seem to think that if I can finish up well, then that will make up for everything. No, the wall is still bad because that plumb line is going to show it. And that's what God's word is like. The only way you can measure up to the law is actually by being actually perfect. And, and then you can measure up to it. And not just finally perfect or eventually perfect, but continuously perfect, or else you have that wall. And so when he talks about those who are judged by the law, it says judged instead of perish, but the end result is going to be the same. The end result is still going to be perish because we do not measure up. And so he comes in and he starts talking about, well, what? I want to bring this back to context again. Because this whole passage, this whole section, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 1 was about the, the, the world, the sinful world out there and all they're doing. And they deserve to be judged and the wrath of God is on them. And chapter 2 is about those in the church who are, are, are trying to be, be righteous on their own or who think that they're, they're good enough on their own. They're also incurring the wrath of God and under judgment. And we want to make sure we understand this fits in here. Because we, as, as if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, praise God, you will not be judged by your works. But this message is for those people who find themselves in the nook and cranny, in the nooks and cranny of the church, who, who think that because they're going to church, because they're inside the, the place and they hear the messages or they have a Bible, that they're doing these things, that that's good enough. And it isn't. It's completely missing the one most important thing. And, and, and if you miss that one most important thing, this is you. This is you. you. You fit this description perfectly. Those who, who have the law will be judged by the law. Those who don't have the law will be judged without the law, but everybody will be judged. So we get to the role of the conscience because we want to we wanna say, well, what about, the, what about that person who never heard? There must be some way out for him, and we look for the, the loophole, that kind of thing. So we look at verse 13. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law instinctively perform the requirements of the law, these, though not having the law, are the law to themselves, in that they show the law, work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience testifying, and their thoughts alternately accusing and, or else defending them. And we say the conscience, that will do it. And so he says it's, it's not the hearers of the word, it's the doers of the word. And, and, and uh, if you don't hear the law but you still do it, that makes you pretty good right? If you hear the law and you don't do it, that makes you pretty bad. Uh, it, it's what you do. And, and in the church, so many people have this disconnect and never seem to link their actions to their words. I remember working in a field once. I don't remember. must have been helping brand or something. And, and uh, was talking to a guy, and he says, I got this church thing all figured out. So long as I go to church on Sunday, I can do anything I want all week long. <laughs> and, and I just, it's like, what in the world? But, but he'd been, what did he, it's all about, and I'm not going to say it's not all about grace, but grace does not excuse your sinful actions. Uh, it, 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 God forgives your sin, but he does not give you license to sin. And, and this person had turned it around into a license to sin, which makes me say, I kind of doubt you know Christ at all, or you wouldn't be living that way. Uh, but so many people make that kind of disconnect. And James you know, part of our scripture reading passage, uh, not, not part of our scripture reading passage, another passage in James, James chapter 2, 18, he says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. 
In other words, if you have faith, it should be something you can show. And James, is, his argument is that faith without works is dead. That, that's another quote out of James. He says, faith without works is dead. If your faith doesn't move you to godly works, then, then why should I believe you have faith? You, you say you have faith, but it's not resulting in faithfulness. You say you have faith, but it's not being demonstrated anywhere. You have the words, but where, where, what value are those words if there's nothing to back them up but empty words? Until you live what you hear, what you hear does you little good. I think of Jesus in a discussion he had with the Pharisees. This is in John chapter 7. And the good thing about things in John is John always has a story with everything he says. And in John chapter 7, Jesus is, is uh, actually, it's not Jesus in this conversation. The Pharisees are having a discussion about Jesus. They are really frustrated. They want, they're trying to arrest him. And they can't. They send the guards to arrest Jesus, and the guards come back without Jesus. And they're saying, hey, why did you, you come back without Jesus? They say, nobody spoke like this man. We, it's like they, they don't know what to do with him. Uh, so we read in John chapter 7, verses 45 and following. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to, to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, never has a man spoken this way. The Pharisees then replied to them, you have not been led astray, led astray too, have you? Not one of the rulers of the Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. And they say, they're accursed because they don't know the law. But what are these guys who are, and they're looking at themselves, we on the other hand, you hear that in there, we on the other hand, we know the law. They're accursed. They don't know the law, but we know the law. But those people that they're saying they're accursed, those are the people that are listening to Jesus. And these people who say we know the law, those are the people who are going to have them arrested, tried, and killed under false charges and a phony trial or an illegal trial. Uh, they, they know the law. What good does it do them? These guys who don't know the law are far ahead of them. Having the law does not do it. The, the crowd that did not know the law were the ones following him. The ones that did know the law are the ones that are planning on murdering him. Hearing the law, knowing the law does you little good if your actions do not reflect it. It is not hearers but doers that are righteous before God. So let's look at verses 14 and 15 in this testimony, back in Romans, <laughs> this testimony of the conscience. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law instinctively perform the requirements of the law, these not having the law to them, law are a, a, a what's the what's the word a law to themselves. For those who don't have the law, God has made a provision. He actually has made a provision. They become the law to themselves. They are, they are judged by their own standards. You go really? Could that be? Uh, you know. He says, he says something else. He says, they do by nature what law requires. The, the basic law that God gives us, the Ten Commandments, with the exception of the Sabbath law, are, are easy to observe, to, to make sense of naturally. You don't need to be a Christian to make sense of the Ten Commandments. You don't need to be a Jew to make sense of the Ten Commandments. They just make sense. They, they, they are clearly, they clearly are, the Ten Commandments, if you were to look in Exodus 20, and I don't want to go there, at this time, but, but they're, they're, the first three are the God commandments, right? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no gods, no other gods before you, right? He says, he says not to make idols. He says not to use the name of the Lord in vain, okay? Do you have to be a Christian to say, if there's one real God, he's the one I should follow? 
<laughs> instead of smaller, lesser, made-up gods? Is, do you have to be a, a genius to figure that out? Do you have to be a Christian to figure that out? It just makes sense. Does it make sense that if there's one real God, you would make idols to little gods? It, it doesn't make sense. It just, it just doesn't work. Does it make sense at all if there is one real God that you would use his name to blaspheme? That you would use his name as a swear word? or even that you would use his name in an empty way, as in, God help me if I don't do such and such. There's lots of ways people misuse the name of God. Does it make sense that you would do that if he's the one true? Just, they just don't make sense. The natural man can become a law to himself because the law makes sense. Now, I say this, the Sabbath is a, is a symbolic as much as a, it is a blessing, it's made for man, it, it's also symbolic of the rest of God. You may not figure that one out yourself, but then you go to the others. And, and so what do we have here? Honor your parents. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie about your neighbor. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. That stuff just makes sense. You don't have to be a godly person to look at those. You could be an atheist and say those are good laws right? The person who does not have the law can become a law to himself, he says, because he naturally does these things. He just looks, and he naturally does these things. Like I say, the Sabbath, that one required some revelation. The others are pretty obvious. The guy who doesn't know the Ten Commandments but does them, he's following his conscience, not his judge. And it will bear witness, and it will be a truthful witness, right? Now, if you think I'm saying the person who does not have Jesus can be saved by his conscience, then hang on. If, if he had the conscience that would excuse him, then he could be saved by his clean conscience. If, if he did. But it will bear witness, and it will be a truthful witness. It will not lie. It will not hide. It will declare what is true. That person who has never violated his own conscience that person who has a clean slate uh, will be excused. But otherwise, everyone who, without the law who has ever violated their own conscience will fall short and be judged guilty by his own conscience. And, and so my question to you becomes, if we, were, if we were to run a survey, and, and frankly, because the conscience at this point has to tell the truth, <laughs> is there anyone here who has never violated your own conscience? Well, you know, this is only a small polling group. But when the small polling group is a 100%, right, then you can kind of extrapolate from that a little bit. And that person who has never violated the conscience, I'm not going to say they don't exist. Travis got one right there. <laughs> He's got one in his arm. It's sleeping like a baby. <laughs> That, that person exists, but uh, that person exists in, in these two kinds of people. Those people who are so small, they have never had the ability to do something wrong, or they just simply don't have the mental capacity to understand. All the rest of us, uh, our conscience is not a safe haven because it will bear a truthful witness. We are in trouble because our conscience... <laughs> will speak the truth. Verse 16, we will all face judgment day. Right? So he goes on, they will show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience testifying, 
and their thoughts alternately accusing us defending them. I like that alternately accusing. But God, I got that one right. <laughs> you see that one day? I did that good thing that one day. You remember that one? Yes, yes, I, I see that. I remember that. I was very proud. <laughs> Verse 16, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of mankind through Jesus Christ. It is hard to fathom what is being said in that little verse because it's confusing. Maybe it's not confusing to you. Maybe it's easy for you. On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of mankind through Jesus Christ. And I'm going, judge according to the gospel. That sounds like uh, two contrasting things, butting heads there and, and colliding. If we separate the verse into not two direct halves, but into two pieces. You have on that day when God judges the secrets of men. That is an ominous day. And if you have another part, according to the gospel by Jesus Christ, that's all the words of that verse just rearranged. Uh, (laughs) That becomes all of a sudden very hopeful. Uh, On the day God judges, judgment day is coming, and judgment day is real. Uh, People tend to think it won't really happen or somehow I'm going to be exempt or somehow it won't happen to me or somehow it will come out all right. God will be the judge, right? On that day when God judges the secrets of men, he will judge you and there will be no secrets. There are some people here who think I have no secrets. (laughs) Say, Steve, you just expose everything about yourself up there. (laughs) There is nothing at all. You know what? I've done a pretty good job of keeping my secrets. You know why you don't know my secrets? Because I'm keeping them secret. (laughs) I have secrets I don't tell. Some I don't tell because I don't want to be a bad influence. Don't want anyone to say, well, Pastor Steve did this. (laughs) right? Pastor Steve that, Pastor Steve, and if he did it, then I can do it, and and that kind of thing. The problem is he spilled that out with the second half, and he turned out okay, and I can't go that far. (laughs) Because you see how I turned out. But uh, So some is, for the sake of others, I don't tell certain things. But mostly it's for my own sake. Romans chapter 6, still in Romans, isn't that interesting? A few verses ahead, and we'll spend, again, we'll spend more time on this. But this phrase, sometimes just jumps out at me and reminds me that it's there. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in relation to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. I suspect, again, I'm not the only one who has done things that I am absolutely ashamed of. I protect, I don't tell certain secrets because I don't want you to know certain things about me. They're, they're my secrets. You know, I, 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 I defend myself. Well, first of all, you don't have any need to know my secrets. <laughs> and, and, and I don't want you to know my secrets. I protect myself because I'm ashamed of them, things that I have done. Keeping those things secret protects me. Keeping your secret things secret protects you. But on that day, you will have no secrets. God will judge the secrets of men. 
you will not be able to hide anything from him. Your lowest low moments, the worst things you've ever done, the things that nobody knows about you but you, will be exposed on that day. That's the judgment day. That's an oppressive day. On that day when God judges the secrets of men. But then we have contrasted with that, he, he has uh, according to, to my gospel by Jesus Christ. And the word gospel is euangelion, which means good news. That's literal, literal words. I mean, it's just literal, good news. There's no other way. Maybe there's other, another way you could translate it, but that's the most plain, straightforward meaning of it. According to my good news, you go, wait a minute. He's going, God is going to judge the secrets of men according to the good news? <laughs> yeah, that sounds contradictory. Because the way we've looked at judgment, it certainly sounds like bad news. But this phrase is going to happen according to the good news. Judgment will be according to the good news by Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Jesus will judge us. It says, uh, by Jesus Christ. Jesus will judge us. But understand, Jesus does not want to judge you. John 3.16, this is a verse you need to know, John, you say, well, John 3.16, I know John 3.16. You need to know John 3.17. I had kids coming up to me at Awana this week. They don't normally, normally I don't have kids running up to show off that they know their Bible verse, but for this week, this week, for some reason, kids were running up and telling me their Bible verse. It was John 3.17. For he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might have life. I forget if it's have, I might, I'm getting, they did it right. Might be saved through him. He did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came in so that the world might not be judged, but be saved. That's why he came. He didn't come in. Jesus did did not and does not and will not ever want to judge us. But that judgment will come because it goes on and says, and this is the condemnation that men chose darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know what darkness is? Darkness is where you hide your secrets. The light exposes the secrets. The good news is this. If you have Jesus, you don't have to face the judgment. Jesus came to protect us from judgment. So you don't have to fear that that judgment I'm talking about is so terrible. It is so terrible. Unless you have the good news of Jesus Christ that you don't have to face it. Because he died to pay for your sins. Two parts to the verse. First part, on that day when God judges the secrets of men. Or the second part, according to my gospel, by Jesus Christ. If you go to the part where you take Jesus out, you have on that day when God judges the secrets of men. Without Jesus Christ, that is what you face. But if you get to put back in the part about Jesus Christ, then that first part doesn't have to scare you. If you leave him out, you have God's judgment. If you leave him in, you have the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm talking to church people, right? This is, this is so... conflicting for me. <laughs> because the church people are the good guys, right? Go team, yay church people. This message is for self-deceived religious people who think they're okay because of what they know. 
that somehow they're not guilty by association. And what you know is enough to leave you facing judgment. It's not what you know, it's who you know. It's not what you know, it is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. Be sure that you have placed your faith personally and intentionally in Jesus Christ. Don't be caught up in your knowledge or your religion or your church stuff. The trappings don't help you. Be sure that when that judgment day comes along, you're ready. Father, I thank you for your word. And and Father, I ask that if there is anybody in this room that has been trusting in anything besides Jesus personally, that you will be working in their hearts and minds and drawing them to yourself. Lord, I ask right now, just on the side, that you bless the time and the fellowship and the food, the coffee fellowship. In Jesus' name. Amen.